I'm Jen Taylor Skinner, and this is The Electorate. On this episode, I have a conversation with Congresswoman Barbara Lee. Isn't that nice? Last fall, I had a chance to sit down with Congresswoman Barbara Lee at a conference in San Francisco. I actually spoke to several people on the same day, but I really wanted to isolate this conversation because, you know, the wisdom that she imparted to me on that day, it really stayed with me. This conversation happened before the midterm elections. You know, she had some thoughts about that and what we needed to do to win. But now that we've taken back the House, Barbara Lee has begun serving on some really important committees, like the Budget Committee and the Powerful Appropriations Committee. And lastly, she's co-chair of the Pro-Choice Caucus, which is a really important position. Again, we had this conversation at a conference, so there is a bit of ambient noise in the background. But what she had to say was so powerful and important that I hope the background noise isn't too distracting and you can really absorb her message. She had a really strong message about the importance of participating in our democracy and the power that we have as citizens when we exercise our right to vote. You know, she also talks about the time that she spent in Zimbabwe when Nelson Mandela was elected. And she talked about how motivated the citizens were to exercise their vote to end apartheid and how important it is to make those connections about the things that we desperately want here in the States and making the connection between the power of your individual vote and seeing that as an act of protest against policies that don't serve you. So here is my conversation with Congresswoman Barbara Lee. A lot has changed, but a lot has stayed the same. I mean, I was elected to Congress in 98, and I'm the 20th African-American woman elected since Congress had its first session. And that's outrageous. And so to change the um, institution and the culture of Congress where where I am is, is very difficult. But because of Shirley Chisholm, they uh, can't uh, ignore us. And they're about 21 members now in the CBC who are are black women. And uh, so that's a big shift. But when it comes to the issues that we champion, it's always an uphill battle. For example, we wanted in our caucus poverty to be a big issue, people living below the poverty line and those who are low income and struggling. And for years and years and years, I tried to be the voice to get more of our members engaged in talking about not only fighting for the middle class, but fighting for people who are poor and low income and the most vulnerable. Took years. Well, now I chair the WHIPS Task Force on Poverty, Income Inequality and Opportunity, and we have 100 members. But it took a heck of a lot. And so while a lot has changed, it still takes a lot to uh, break through as an African-American woman. Now, we have a lot of people of color and, you know, leaders in Congress, you know, these icons, these veterans like John Lewis or Maxine Waters, you know, and to my knowledge, they've never been pushed to run for president, you know, and it's been almost 50 years since Shirley Chisholm ran. Right. And I just wonder, you know, why? Why have these very serious, you know, very committed, passionate politicians, passionate leaders never been pushed to run for president, even in modern times? I think a lot of it has to do with the history of this country. Uh, The vestiges of the Middle Passage and slavery are still with us. And when you look at um, just look at the gaps right now in terms of uh, employment, in terms of health care, in terms of mass incarceration rates, look at the issues around affordable housing and income gaps. 
African-Americans in general have fought from day one for parity and for justice. And so this is a long-term fight. And oftentimes the majority, they, uh, they want things done the old way. And, and they're still locked into thinking the old ways. And, you know, there are moves now to take us back to the days of Jim Crow. And so we're constantly, Black women especially, playing defense and offense. We're trying to stop them from uh, eroding the gains that we've made. And we're fighting for progress and for equality and for justice. So we're doing it all at the same time. Now, voter suppression, I feel like it's something that we're constantly battling, right? It's it's persistent. You know, but when I think about the determination of those citizens on the Edmund Pettus Bridge, you know, back in Selma, you know, they were determined. They were determined to not be defeated. And I think about now, a lot of things have changed. I just feel like we are not doing a good job of conveying to people that their right to vote is vital. And to convey to them that it's that it's vital to retain that energy, but to express ourselves at the ballot box. You know, how do we get that energy back? I don't know if it's about getting that energy back as much as that is as it is really um, making people know their power and know that uh, this is a democracy. And if they're not engaged in voting and part of this process, there will be no progress because others will continue with their really right-wing backwards agenda. I was an observer in the elections in uh, South Africa when President Mandela was elected. I saw lines and lines and lines, and it's still like that in Zimbabwe recently, of people lining up to vote. Uh, I saw women who were in labor. They were being carried in a wheelbarrow to the voting place. They understood how important this vote was, and they knew the connection between ending apartheid and voting. And I'm concerned in this country that a lot of us don't understand the connection, for example, between voting and turning back the clock on affirmative action and voting rights, because the president, for example, has the Supreme Court appointee. And when you look at, say, a Kavanaugh now, who we know will rule against us. We're talking about a whole generational, uh, all, all of the laws that have been made and passed turned back and eroded. And so I don't think that there may be that connection between voting and our daily lives. And that may be part of our problem as those of us who are elected, we haven't made that connection as clear as it should be. But when I hear and see our young people and our millennials especially, they get it. They're, they understand what social justice is. They understand what street heat is. They understand what uh, pressuring our government and the right to petition the government. They understand all of this. And so their voice and what they're doing is, is badly needed. And whether that translates into voting, we'll see. That's the next step. But with the movement taking place, and it's, I think it's beginning to broaden even more so, I'm really hopeful for the future and that uh, this will turn into a political movement. You know, sometimes I fear that, you know, as soon as we have a victory, if we take back the House or the Senate, all of that energy behind this movement, behind the resistance, you know, it'll just evaporate. How do we make sure that the fire keeps burning inside of people, you know, beyond midterms and beyond 2020? Right now, I believe it's 7% of women, 7% uh, of Congress are women of color right now. 
we don't have any option. We can't burn out. I mean, you know, when I talk to people about uh, my background, for example, when I started school, I couldn't go to public schools because I was black, you know, and I remember the colored only water fountain. And I remember my dad being told in his military uniform, being told he couldn't be served at a restaurant and called an N-word. And so you can't tell me that we get burned out. <laughs> this is a fight we're in. And I think, and you know, while a lot don't want to look to history, I have to go to um, the Ghanaian symbol of Sankofa. In order to move forward, in order to progress, this is a bird, a mythical bird, looking back with an egg in her mouth. You have to know your history. You have to know where you came from, the struggles you've encountered, the problems, your mistakes, you know, the gains you've made. You got to know all this in order to move forward. And so I think it's extremely important that uh, young people especially understand that in order to move forward, we have to know our history. And if you know your history, you won't get burned out. Because you'll see that so many people did die and some say it doesn't matter now. We got to move forward. Well, yeah, it does matter because you would not be here if it had it not been for them. And so you've got to make sure that the next generation, you know, has that there's more progress for the next generation. So it's up to us to do that. So as black women, especially, we don't have any option to burn out. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave a review on iTunes and subscribe, of course. And please tell your friends about the electorate so that they can subscribe. And until next time, keep up the good fight.